Welcome to the PFF College Football Podcast recap episode. I'm joined, of course, by Anthony Tresh to recap the top 25 from Saturday. Not a ton of games, but I think we learned a lot about certain teams, uh, Georgia. Uh, (laughs) So um, a lot to go over, but we're going to start with Friday nights. um, Two group of five teams in the top 25 who got wins again, both undefeated. So BYU beats Houston 43-26. SMU beats Tulane uh, 37-34 in overtime. Is Zach Wilson a Heisman candidate? Is he a top five pick candidate? Like, what's the ceiling for this BYU team, do you think? Yeah, you know, this one's tough just because of the quality of opponents. But I, I do think at this point, you have to consider him for the Heisman. I mean, still... These aren't FCS defenses. They're still FBS defenses. Not the best, but, I mean, the guy is, I mean, on on point. I mean, he's on, he started off now five straight games with a passing grade above 80.0. There were only two quarterbacks to do that last year in their first five games. That was Joe Burrow and Justin Fields. They finished first and third in the Heisman voting. No other group of five, quarterback, independent, whatever, came close to doing that. So, I mean, at this point in time, I think you do. He, he's been... I mean, it, regardless of competition, you know, if you're accurate, you can noticeably tell you're accurate. And this guy's been pinpoint accurate downfield, which is crazy to me just because last year, his biggest issue in the two years prior to that, his biggest issue was downfield accuracy. That was his fatal flaw. But this year, it's completely different. Over 87% of his throws, 10 or more yards downfield, have been catchable. Last year, Joe Burrow led that metric at 80%. I mean, that's how great this guy's been. I think he's definitely a Heisman candidate. Um, draft stock, I don't know. I know Ritter, our guy, absolutely loves him. Well, you, you sent something in the <laughs> you sent something me. to me on on Friday. Someone had him as this number two rated prospect. That I think that's absolutely bananas. But still, I'm a big Zach Wilson fan. I think BYU is probably in that fourth college football playoff spot conversation. They're probably gonna get routed by Clemson if they do make it that far, but <laughs> they're they're definitely in that conversation. Okay, so then what about uh you know, SMU still undefeated. Obviously, they got they still put up a bunch of points even without Reggie Roberson on Friday night. What is did did did, did Texas make a mistake uh, choosing Sam Ellinger over Shane Bukelly? Is that like are, are we gonna go? Is, is Shane Bukelly gonna go to more playoff games than Sam Ellinger? Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think. I think he might be onto something. I never even thought about that. But yeah, Bukele might be better than Sam Ellinger. I, I don't have as high as if Reggie Roberson was still on the team. I think this SMU team could make some noise, but without yeah. him, I, I I just can't see him. I mean, they barely beat Tulane. Barely yeah. beat him, and Tulane's well, not that good of a football team. I I, I could believe it. It was a weird game. I, I like it. Just Tulane just kept moving the ball, and you didn't couldn't really figure out how because the quarterback didn't play really well. And he's like an okay runner. But, like, they just kept moving the ball on the ground in weird ways. I don't even think they broke off so many explosive plays on the ground. They just kind of kept moving it. And that's always going to be Tulane, uh, SMU's problems. They can just can't play defense. They can score a lot. But then you get into these games like 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 Friday night where anything can happen on the, at the end. You know, there were two kicks to um, to win the game at the end. They go to overtime, get, a, get an interception and win the game. But, like, 
you're going to play in these shootouts because you can't play defense and then anything can happen. And you can't, like, you just, you, you, we know this, you're a group of five team, you can't afford to lose one game. And this season, even if you're a power five team, you probably can't afford to lose uh, any game. Okay, here's a team that's not going to lose any games. Clemson, 73, Georgia Tech, 7. Another uh, big game from Trevor Lawrence, 400 yards, and then he didn't even play for most of the second half. Uh, I, I'm going to stay on the Jeff Sims bandwagon just because it's my thing now. But, like, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. But this 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 was not a game. I mean, Georgia Tech is still I, – I was excited for them because they had played well. And, you know, we know what – what the transition is going to be from flexbone to a, like a, a true spread offense. And the fact that they've, they've won two games is great, but they're still not even close to, they're still not even close to Clemson. I mean, that, that was, that was just ludicrous. What happened, uh, what happened in, in Atlanta? Yeah. I kind of felt bad watching that first half. I mean, 52 to seven at halftime. And that... they played a punter at quarterback and he like threw yeah. and through for completions. I don't even know what to say to my team after that. You literally just had the other team's punter in at quarterback, and then there was no injury. That says something a lot about not only you, but the whole team. It, I mean, but Trevor Lawrence, I mean, that guy is hashtag pretty good. Yeah. He only had, like, one really kind of bad mistake on an interception, just kind of lofted one up there under yeah. pressure. And but, I'll, like, you're like, I'll give him some benefit of the doubt because I think that he thought the receiver would just keep running. The receiver kind of slowed down, and then that made it look worse. At, at best, it's like a contested catch by either the DB or the receiver, but it kind of looked worse because the DB slowed down. So I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. But yeah, I mean, Jeff Sims too. I, I can see why you like him. But yeah, he, he. I think he might be the lowest graded quarterback in college football after this one. I think he. Yeah, I think he, he'll he'll get, have another like under thirty grade, which is. Which is not good. But again, it's like there's no one around him. You know, the running backs, uh, you know, they didn't play with Mason again this week, but uh, but Gibbs played well. But other than that, I mean, like there's there's no one on this team. So, like, that's what I'm thinking is like, okay, you know, if if if, if Jeff Collins, like, does what they say they're going to do and they're going to recruit Georgia and they're going to recruit Atlanta and get some players around Jeff Sims, then I think that, you know, as he develops, you know, going to a sophomore, going to his junior, going to his senior year, uh, looking a little bit down the down the road there. But I think there could be something. But there's still and 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 you know what? Like no one else is good in the ACC. So like okay, yeah, they're, they're, I'm not saying Georgia Tech is going to be better than Clemson anytime soon, but there's no reason for them to to be um, you know worse than Pitt or Syracuse on a, on a on a on a week to week on a year to year basis. Uh, even you know where Florida State is right now, we don't know Miami. Like there's there's a there's a path for success for Georgia Tech, but they're gonna take their lumps like they did losing uh, seventy three to seven to uh, Clemson. Okay, stay in the ACC uh, for the next two games. Notre Dame twelve, Louisville seven. I don't understand this because Louisville's not good. Like I think we're kind of in agreement at this point. Like. I think Satisfield is building something there. They probably overachieved last season. But let's not forget that the last Petrino year in 2018, they were horrible. They didn't really have any players. They didn't really have any players around Lamar Jackson when he won the Heisman. And then then he came back the year after. They still didn't have a lot of players around him. So this is like not a good program 
Notre Dame needs to be destroying this team, and they didn't. And I'm beginning to believe that Ian Book is not that good of a quarterback. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, coming into this game, Louisville was the – they had the worst team coverage grade in the ACC. They also allowed the highest passer rating on throws of 10 or more yards downfield. This was Ian Book's game to, to kind of show that maybe I can lead this team to a sneaky victory of the Clemson on their very worst day and on, on my best day. He did not give any indication of that at all whatsoever. He threw nine passes over 10, more, 10 or more yards downfield, connected on just one. Just, that's it, just one. I mean, two of them were dropped, but at the end of the day, the three of nine is not going to get you anything. I mean, that offense looked anemic. And it's just it's frustrating just because, you know, he, t- he took so many snacks and held onto the ball. I mean, that's kind of been the story of his career. You know, that offensive line is great. It is great, and he just hasn't been able to take advantage of it. You know, they haven't been able to generate any explosive plays at all whatsoever. I mean, they just have 16 on the year, and that's the worst in the ACC. The most in the ACC is, has 29 more than that, and that is the Clemson Tigers. You know, I, I I heard some people, some analysts say that, you know, this Notre Dame team is very good, and I think they have a championship-caliber defense. I think they have a championship-caliber yep. offensive line. And that really helps out the run game too. You're gonna, it's gonna make you look like you have a, one of the best run games in college football just because of some of the lanes they open up. But they just don't have the quarterback to do it. Yeah, I agree. That's just um, it. You're not gonna. You got to score with Clemson, uh, and they're not gonna be able to do it when they play them uh, in the next coming weeks. Um, in fact, when do they play them? In three in three weeks, so yeah, that's going to be tough. Like they're going to beat Pitt, they're going to beat Clemson. Ah, they're going to beat Georgia Tech. Uh, maybe they don't beat Pitt. They probably will beat Pitt. And they'll beat Georgia Tech, and then I think they get crushed by Clemson. But we'll see where they are at that time. Okay, the big upset in the ACC was Florida State downing North Carolina thirty-one twenty-eight. North Carolina had been playing with fire, uh, especially offensively. Uh, for the first um, their first three games of the season, they hadn't looked good. They hadn't looked like the team we thought they were going to be, and they finally got burned. I think. Now, with that said, you know the first half had like a block punt, an interception return for a touchdown. I think this is this th- these two teams are closer to what we saw in the second half, which was North Carolina absolutely dominating, than what we saw in the first half. And then, really, like, I feel bad. Like, look, sh- shit happens, okay? It, football is a weird sport. The ba- ball bounces weird. Referees don't call stuff. But I felt bad because this 100%... The, North Carolina should have been in field goal range. Uh, a missed, an easy missed uh, defensive pass interference when he's holding the guy's jersey down the field. And then two draw passes in a row, including on fourth down wide open. Like... This really should have been a big-time North Carolina comeback. It doesn't happen. But, like I said, they were playing with fire the whole year, and that's what happened in the first half, and that's what you get. Like, I'm sorry, but that's what you get if you're if you're going to be doing this the whole season. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I have to 100% blame the play calling. The, the first half play calling, I mean, like you said, the block punt, the interception, I mean, it was, wasn't it, – things didn't fall in their favor, but the play calling didn't help matters any at all. I mean, they were running the ball – over 60% of the time in the first half. And Sam Howell, again, one of the best deep passers in college football, has an average depth of target of three and a half yards in the first half. When you're down double digits, your quarterback has a three and a half average depth of target. I felt like they were just, like, I love Javante Williams and Michael Carter, I top three backfield in college football, but it just kind of felt like they were force suiting them. Like, mm-hmm. they knew what they had, and they just really wanted to see those explosive plays that we saw a lot at Virginia Tech. And, 
you know, that, that just didn't happen. And they just kept going and going and going. And then in the second half, Sam Howell has an averaged up the target of over 20 yards, yeah. over 20 yards downfield. And he, I mean, that's, that's the North Carolina offense that we were all expecting from the get go. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was some missed stuff there and things didn't fall their way. But at the end of the day, I, I have to look at the play calling just because it was so bad to start the game. Okay, Miami beats Pitt 31-19. Pittsburgh playing without my boy Kenny Pickett, so obviously they were never going to win without the best quarterback in the country. Um, Miami was okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they scored 31 points, and they were, you know, Brevin Jordan didn't play, so that that's a that's a loss for them. But King was okay. Everything was just like okay with Miami. But the thing is that they 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 blew out a team they're supposed to blow out. You know what I mean? Quarterbacks who hadn't played Joy Yellen. Uh, you know, never really played before, so they did what they're supposed to do. But I think it's still very much a ho hum victory for Miami. Oh, for sure. And I mean, especially Derek King, he did not look all that great as a passer at all whatsoever. I mean, he had a couple turnover worthy plays in there, no big time throws. I, I, I mean, he's probably going to finish the week as m- maybe one of the five lowest graded passers of the week. I mean, that was kind of disappointing to see. I mean, again, it is a very good pit defense, but I mean, Come on, I, you can't be having those type of performances if we're going to say Miami's back, and I'm guilty of it. But, I mean, he has to be better I mean, through the air, and he was good those first few games. But, I mean, the last two weeks, understandable against Clemson, but yeah, as good as Pitt's defense is, I mean, if, you, if you're going to be one of those top-tier, top-ten quarterbacks in college football, you can't have, you know, be one of the five lowest-graded passers. Uh, Virginia Tech beats uh, Boston College 40-14. to I don't know anything about Virginia Tech. I was kind of like waiting to kind of get going to a deep dive on them. And maybe I have to now because I was like, okay, well, they didn't play with anyone the first few weeks, all the, the, the COVID related, um, uh, you know, outs, uh, I was going to call them COVID injuries, but like the, the people who didn't play because of COVID, the coaches weren't there, but the, it looks like they can score points and, you know, Boston college is not a good team. I don't think, uh, even though they're, they had, they've won three games this year. Virginia Tech can score points. Hannah Hooker has looked pretty good, and uh, Herbert's looked really good. Like, I don't – can you tell me anything about Virginia Tech right now? Because I don't know anything about them. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I, I've i gone back and forth on them. You know, I, I we talked about Jermaine Waller before. He wasn't, you know, in there for this game. But Hendon Hooker, he, he, looked, he looked pretty damn good all the way around. And, you know, he kind of had these moments last year of that, especially on the ground, the dude absolutely went off. He recorded, almost, I mean, almost 10 yards per carry. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I still need to see a little bit more. I'm still confused at this team as well. I thought there for a time Boston College was going to come back and possibly even win the game, you know. But And then the next thing I know, I look at the bottom line and Virginia Tech's up 20. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of disappointing for Boston College just because, I mean, they're not a good team, but I kind of had a little bit higher expectations for them. I, I really didn't think they had a chance of winning this game besides being, you know, double-digit dogs. But Jalen Gill, too, the wide receiver uh, formerly of Ohio State, I was excited to see him actually, you know, start to get some action just because that guy's electric. I think he's going to be a huge, huge difference maker down the road for him. But, yeah, I don't know much about this Virginia Tech team still. I, I don't know. I they, they seem really good. I really like the offensive line, too. Um but yeah, I, I Hinton Hooker looks good, but I, this was a little bit of a surprise to me again. Besides being double-digit dogs, the, the interesting thing about Virginia Tech is like looking at their schedule: at Wake, at Louisville, um, and then Liberty, which is an interesting game before they played Miami. So it's like they could they could 
you know, get some wins in and we could start looking at them very differently before they play Miami. And they just might be a better team than Miami. And really their only game could be, you know, the big game could be could be Clemson uh, near the end of the season. Okay, we're going to move on to the SEC where Kentucky um, made Jared Guarantano look like uh, Jarrett Guarantano. So, uh, uh, Kentucky though, let's like, okay. So Tennessee is probably not the team that we, that we maybe thought they could, they could be. We, we kind of projected them a lot higher because the defense, we thought the defense was going to be good. And we just really thought that Guarantano was going to develop because he had shown, you know, in 2018, there was some good play. There was good play mixed into 2019 and 2020 just hasn't happened. But Kentucky, might be okay. Like defense, pretty good. Terry Wilson is a lot better than we thought he was going to be. I think that's for sure. And 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 they blow out they blow out Tennessee in Tennessee. Yeah, Jared Carantano. I mean, there was some ugly football. My hopes on Saturday in that early after that first window of games, I was kind of let down like, just because the games, all of them, I'm not going to lie, were bad. And this was this was one of them right there. And this Kentucky defense. The first two weeks, they did not play good at all whatsoever. And then they turned it around against Mississippi State, but I was not ready to say, you know, they're back to what we thought they were be before the year. I mean, before the year in the PFF College Magazine that we both put a bunch of time into this offseason, we had them as, I think, the 16th best defense out of the 130 in our preseason rankings. You know, they, they kind of looked like it this past weekend. I mean, granted, Garantano kind of helped them out there yeah. with some really boneheaded decisions, but that defense looked pretty solid. and. You know, that offense looked a lot better, too. So, you know, I, I think this Kentucky team is just going to be – I mean, you never know what which, which Kentucky team you're going to get type of thing, but I think they can go toe-to-toe with, I mean, really anybody but Alabama and the SEC on, a, on their best day. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free, free PFF Edge annual subscription. So that's a $40 value, value for all just $20 and you'll get that opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy football and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in monkey knife fight go to monkey knife fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF edge annual subscription PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every week. And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. Um, Let's talk more about quarterbacks who haven't developed. Uh, This guy we kind of knew (laughs) probably wasn't going to develop, but uh, Auburn loses again, 30-22 to to South Carolina. Bo Nix. Just another another Bonix type of night, and I, I, you know, one of the things I said before the season was, yes, he was a true freshman, and no, he didn't grade well, and that's okay. Yeah, true freshmen don't grade well very often, but in this day and age, where high school quarterbacks are coming in and and be playmakers from day one, like 
you ha- he had to have shown me something in some aspect of that offense that made me believe, okay, there's something there. Like, you know, Sam Howell was great on RPOs. Uh, Keaton Slovis was super accurate. Where was that with Bo Nix last year? Deep balls, no. Intermediate, no. Against the blitz, no. Like, you know what I mean? RPOs, no. Like, so where, where play action, no. So, like, where was this for Bo Nix? He didn't show that last year, and then we're seeing, well, he's pretty much the same quarterback. He just knows he, he's just a little older. So I'm not sure Bo Nix is ever going to be that guy. I don't want to dismiss him right away. He's still a young kid. But, I mean, another just terrible outing by him against South Carolina. Yeah, it, it seemed like the way like I had I had one main game on my TV and then a couple laptops streaming games. And it seemed like every single time I looked down at one of my laptops at that Auburn game, Bo Nix was outside of the pocket making a bad throw. And <laughs> every single that's and, what it seemed and, like. And and leaving the pocket for no reason. Like there, there's yes. that's one thing where you know the Georgia game we got to give we got to give Georgia a lot of credit because they're just a better they're just a great defense, um, especially against a team like Auburn. But like this game was just like like South Carolina is fine. They're not too they're they're, they're very mediocre. He was just kept leaving the pocket for no reason, and he just he like quick game. You know, look. Everyone wants to say, well, look at, you know, wherever where Chad Morris goes, it's like, uh, you know, you know, since leaving Clemson, it's like just bad news. But like, you know, I saw a lot of like quick game stuff. He was calling good quick game stuff and Bonex wasn't trusting anything. Um, like you got You got to have some faith in yourself to throw a damn slant. Right. Like but he just doesn't. And then he panics and he leaves the pocket and it, it's, it's just not good. Yeah, I mean, he over course the entire season now on exactly a quarter of his dropbacks, they've ended up outside of the pocket when they're not designed to be outside of the pocket. And it kind of seems like he has that he has that gamer mentality, and he wants to make a big play on. He wants to make those highlight plays. He wants Bo Nix to make highlight plays like Patrick Mahomes does, but he just can't do it. I think he's trying to. He's doing too much. He's making it more difficult than it needs to be. A lot of the times, and he's a tremendous athlete. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he he's got a lot to go for just from you know the, the processing standpoint and making those kind of just boneheaded decisions. You know, like like the the Arkansas spike. There was an intentional grounding too this this past game in a pivotal time. So I yeah, it's just I, I don't think he's ever going to put it together. I think I might be quicker to write him off than you might be, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I just, mean, it, no, no, I, I I I you're saying what I'm thinking. I'm just being nice about it. <laughs> That's fair. You you are nice to me. Uh, okay, so let's say the SEC for the last two games. Texas A&M beats Mississippi State. Uh, the jury is not out anymore. The jury has convened. Uh, the air raid doesn't work against three-man rushes. That's just what it comes down to. They And this is a good defense that Mississippi State has, and they're going to waste it because Mike Leach just won't uh, balance his attack enough and he doesn't need to be 50 50 run pass for sure not he doesn't even have to be 60 40 run pass but he's got to be like somewhere in the i'm not i go look up the numbers after but he's got to be probably somewhere in the 75 25 just because the main thing you need to force the defense to give you a fourth defensive lineman that's like the main main thing uh or at least someone who's going to going to a fourth guy who's going to step forward on the snap, you know, and they're not getting that. And I, I said this on a radio show last night, but like, there's no pass concept drawn up 
to beat drop eight in and in, in, in whatever whatever design you want to drop it whether you want to do it with four deep when you want to do it with three deep whatever man you know with with robbers like whatever there is no concept design to beat those coverages so like you cannot let your quarterback stand there and try and decipher these coverages and have a bad offensive line at the same time like it, it just doesn't work it's not the fit is just not right right now uh, and it and and they're terrible. They're absolutely terrible on offense. And Texas A&M, great. Like I don't even care about Texas A&M right now. I'm just so upset that Michael Leach hasn't like done what he probably should be doing. Yeah, I mean, there was two things that there was one thing I got extremely wrong in this one, and then extremely right. The first thing I got wrong was I didn't even think Texas A&M's coverage unit could actually even you know effectively drop eight and beat Mississippi State. I really did not think. I did not think they were talented enough to do that. They proved me wrong for sure. They're going to be one of the highest-graded coverage units of the week. I mean, they, they shut them down completely well, allowed. But do, mean, you need, do you need to be talented? <laughs> like when, I mean, when, when, a, like when, the, when the holes in the zone aren't really there because you've added an extra player, it's like you, you don't – like we could play safety for Texas A&M and be okay, I think. I mean, that, that is a fair point, but I really did not think this Texas I, – I didn't even think they could do that at all completely. I was wrong on that. But KJ Costello, I, I mean, I remember after that first against LSU, I keep going back to that, when he threw up 623 yards and we were, we were saying, like, don't yeah. – me and you both were both saying, you're like, don't get your hopes up with this, yeah. you know, that just because that was just this, – this might be an anomaly just because of that defense. And it's turning out to be – he just does not look – ready at all to be in this type of offense you know making those quick decisions just because I mean, he's making more bad than good yeah and he's he has such a slow release that it's like yeah it, 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 it it's it's a bad it's probably a bad fit but it's more than just costello it's the whole whole offense um and they play of course without kylan hill because he probably yeah he probably told mike leach yo give me the ball more on the ground man and uh leach benched him all right Biggest game of the night, Alabama-Clemson, 41-24 Alabama. I think this kind of went the way we both thought it would go because just nobody is stopping Alabama's offense this year. Like, it's just, they're just that good. And, you know, they get the, the interception, Georgia gets the interception early um, when they pressure him and force a, force a duck. They pressure Mac Jones and force a duck. But other than that... Mac Jones was legit outstanding. Again, his accuracy is outstanding. I thought Alabama really honestly could have put it on them more if they ran the ball less. Because Georgia is so good uh, down the middle of their defense. And then, so they force you to bounce plays uh, to the sideline. And then they're so fast with, you know, whether it's Monty Rice or, or LeCount coming down from safety and making plays at the line of scrimmage. So... Alabama really could have just put it on them if they would have thrown the ball a lot more. They still put 41 points on the board. Mac Jones still throws for 417 yards. Here's my question <clears throat> before we get into the actual game. You have to play a game tomorrow. You got one receiver. Is it Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle? Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> De- Devonta Smith's my guy, but I mean, J- Jalen Waddle can blow past any defensive back. I mean, it. I, I, you have to go with Jalen Waddle at this point. As much as I love Devonta Smith, I think he's a top three wide receiver in college football. But I, I need that game breaking speed just because you tell him to run a nine route, he's he's getting open. 
that that's how incredible he is but i mean yeah go ahead no i was gonna say waddle has like just a way to to climb the ladder in a sense uh on these deep balls that i that's shockingly good like it's it's wild he actually dropped a pass he dropped a wide open pass on a really nice concept that that Alabama design, but besides that, he was outstanding the whole game. I mean, they were both outstanding, and, and this offense is just cooking. So yeah, but uh, did did this game go like you thought it would go? Like this was one of the problems was, I think we both felt like Georgia is not good good enough at the quarterback position to go throw for throw with Alabama, and you know when when Stetson Bennett had to throw forty times, like this is kind of what we expected. With that said, I thought he did better than 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 what I thought he would do. Um, you know, after throwing for it forty times, but it's still like the, the there's a huge difference in talent between the two quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think you alluded to it earlier, and it's it's not so much the question of which defense in college football can stop Alabama it's which offense in college football yep. can put up the same amount of points as Alabama just because I mean well, DeMonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, John Mechie too there's only one we know that yeah I mean there's like I yeah I think Clemson and Ohio State yeah Ohio we haven't State, seen Ohio yeah. State play yet but I, I'm gonna have to go on the limb and say they're probably gonna be those are the only three teams that can really compete at this point but Mac, I mean Mac Jones he's been I mean making pretty much near flawless playing near flawless football this year I mean, he has the lowest negatively graded throw rate in college football by a significant margin. And actually, I was so in the, the wee hours of the morning this morning, I was looking at this data and I saw a name at the top of the negatively graded throw rate list that kind of surprised me just because I forgot to keep tabs on him the last couple of weeks. You know who it is? Uh, tell me. It is our guy, Jerry Diggy. He is 12th in the oh, FBS baby. right now. That's why I am very – this is a little side note. I'm getting sidetracked. But that's why I'm so confident in Jared Diggy's breakout. The wide receiver unit, the whole receiving unit this past week, let him down, only caught three-quarters of his catchable passes. I think this guy's going to be a star on the road. But anyway, back to my main point. Mac Jones is already a star. I, I, he's easily right there with Zach Wilson battling for that third-best quarterback in college football. I'm still putting Justin Fields in that second spot, even though he hasn't played it down this year. But yeah, I mean this this Alabama offense. I mean that's a very good Georgia defense. I, I would, I'm going to go ahead and say that's the best defense in college football. Yeah, I I want to get your opinion on this just because I do think that first interception. I don't. I think that was an interception. I think that ball hit the ground. But anyway, it worked out for him. But I I did think this was going to be a little bit. You know, I thought Alabama was going to run with, run away with it a little bit earlier than they did. But yeah, I, I mean it, I expected probably something around the 17. 21 point range victory and that's exactly what they did especially that end of the third quarter i mean they just i mean they just blew off the doors with those wide receiver units i mean devonta smith's ball skills are just man I mean, he does everything at the position while you look at him on the sideline and with how thin he is you wouldn't expect it but he he there isn't much he doesn't do at a very high level yeah i mean no he he's incredible and then they still have that third guy john mechie branton represent like they're they're loaded and, and like I said, like it was weird because they tried to run the ball a lot, you know, 31 carries for Najee Harris. And then I'm not sure how many uh, Robinson got, but uh, he must have had like about, you know, five to 10. So they ran the ball a lot. Couldn't really get anything going, even though Najee Harris had a bunch of yards. <clears throat> excuse me. They couldn't really get anything going. But it's like, it doesn't matter. Dude, every 
every single uh, drive started with a play-action deep shot. And that's what they were trying to do. First play of the game, play-action deep shot. And there's a good chance that if, if there's no pressure, he hits the, the post. I'm not sure which receiver it was, but he hits the post over the top because the safety had had stayed a little down. And they're off to the races from, from the get-go. You know, the Alabama defense is not playing great right now, obviously. But, like, there's so much talent there that there's enough individual talent that they're going to make plays. And that's, it's almost like, you know, like, look at all these, the NFL teams who go to the Super Bowl every year. And the, the, the thing is always the same on defense. Defense is, 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 is like meaningless in the NFL. But if you have this season where you're getting all sorts of turnover luck, where you're getting all sorts of individual plays, individual brilliance, then the offense is getting the ball back and you're scoring points and it's good. And that might be Alabama this year where it's like, yeah, maybe the defense isn't great enough, but there's so much talent there. There's gonna, they're they're, they're going to get interceptions like they did, three against, uh, against Stetson Bennett, maybe not all on Stetson Bennett for sure. But they're there to make plays. And then if you give this offense the ball enough times, they are going to absolutely destroy you. Steve Sarkeesian, best offensive coordinator in the in the in the in college football right now, just using his pieces to uh their 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 best. And uh and that's why we have another Alabama blowout victory against the number three team in the country. All right. Um This was another great chat, Anthony, and uh, I will see you uh, later this week.